Welcome to 900 Ackland Avenue, the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. If you'd like to read more about our community, join us at https colon slash slash org. Thank you for listening to our service, and God bless you. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Ackland Avenue. We will get started this morning with a reading from the ninth chapter of Genesis, starting in verse 8. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. And with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth, I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is a sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for the generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the... I'm sorry. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of a covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on earth. Let's pray together. Lord, we are thankful for your faithfulness. Lord, we are thankful for the covenant that you established with Noah. Uh, Lord, and and for the reminder of that covenant uh, that we still see after the rains, when we see a rainbow in the sky, Uh, that we know that you are faithful to the things that you tell us. Lord, we thank you for those promises. Uh, We thank you for your care for us. Um, Lord, I pray that we can look at your words here, that we can look at the scripture where you established that covenant, not just to us, but to all the living creatures on this earth, Uh, and, and that, Lord, we can... Uh, just respect your creation and and all of those living creatures as well. Lord, be with us this morning as we worship. Be in our presence. Let us all hear your voice. It's through your son's name we pray. Amen. Here I faith in empty wealth, for I know 
Our psalm today is Psalm 25, 1 through 10. In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. 
I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember me, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me. For you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful towards those who keep the demands of his covenant. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you um, that your ways are loving and faithful towards those who are yours. Um, We pray, as the psalm says, that you would teach us your truth and guide us, and that you would remember your great love and mercy for us. Um, We thank you for these reminders this morning, and we pray that we would hold them in our hearts as we go out this week. Lord, we pray for those who are sick. We pray for Stephen and Leanne and Debbie, Ray, Carolyn, Stina, Mark, Bonnie, Chuck, Rachel, and Ari. Lord, we pray that you would comfort and heal them. We pray that you would help us be your hands and feet as we care for them. Um, We pray for the youth this weekend who are at Winterfest, that they had a great weekend and learned more about you. We pray for their safe travels home today. In your name, amen.
Well, good morning. Today I want to talk about temptations and how Christ calls us to, um, to face them, endure them, and overcome them. You know, the last time I talked about Christ in front of an audience, it wasn't as vast as this, but um, it was during my freshman year. I was taking a public speaking class, and let me tell you, I was just nervous in my boots. Like, I was just a mess. Um, this was a final assignment of mine, and it was just about talking about someone who has been impactful to you in your life for about five, seven minutes. And while everyone else was doing either family, friends, maybe it was a dog, um, I wanted to do Christ. Mind you, I was only baptized for a couple months, like less than a year by that point, and had very limited knowledge. And I was going to be talking about him in front of an audience that I did, I hardly even knew. I didn't even talk to before. But, you know, it's... Whenever we have moments like that. It can feel really discouraging, could be doubtful, maybe we can have some anxieties about it, and temptations can be that way too. But through that, through Christ, they can also be our upbringing. I mean, if we take a look at the life of Christ, he was tempted in every way, but never once sinned. So how do we be like that? Well, we'll take a look in a second in uh, Mark 1, that it's the attitude and response shown from Christ in the last three verses of this passage that can really help us grow in our walk. And, you know, as I talk about these things, I want you to think about something that is hard for you. It could be a challenge, a temptation, something that happened this past week. Just choose a scenario and think about this thing while we read this passage. If it's convenient for you to please stand as we read the Mark passage. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Together? At once, the spirit sent him into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was in the mild animals and angels attended to him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. You know, as we read, you know, Jesus was led into the wilderness. And often when we are led into the wilderness, or rather the storms of life, it can often feel like we head into these things alone. But as we read... Jesus wasn't alone. He was led into the wilderness by the Spirit, and similar to Noah, as we read in Genesis earlier. And, you know, by no means am I comparing Noah's situation with our situation, right? Because that, God forbid that ever happen again. But what I am trying to say is that there will always be that fork in the road. But the next step depends on whether we choose to approach it, whether we choose to face it. So I ask you, what do you need to face? What do you need to face this week? Because for some, you know, they're either addicted to something or they're mistreating others, but we need to face the fact that we need to make a move. Whether that's changing jobs or going back to school, ending a relationship for something else, 
you know, we need to make a move in our life, and Christ will always be there to help us through that, which goes to my next point. Okay, so we faced it. We didn't turn the other way. What now? Well, as I mentioned before, Christ was led into the wilderness with the Spirit, so the Spirit was with him. If we take a look into our bulletin at the First Peter passage, I'll try saying that five times fast. If we look in there, uh, it was verse 21. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but um, it says that this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. See, whenever we surrender ourselves to Christ, whenever we allow ourselves to be guided by him, we make a pledge of a clear conscience, like, Lord God, I trust you above all else. You know, utilizing the Spirit to clear our minds, that way that we're not filled with anxieties, uh, doubts, depression, like frustrations. You know, in, you know, while taking those steps, it can feel really painful, right? But Christ knows that pain. Back to the first Peter, the first verse of this, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He knows that pain that you're going through more than we realize. And no matter what you're walking through, I invite you to endure it like Jesus did. You know, back to this uh, speech final that I was telling you about, you know, I didn't know how it was going to go. You know, did I have doubts? Did I have fears? Absolutely. You know, I'd be afraid of what kind of response I get, what kind of feedback that I would get. You know, am I going to say something stupid or am I going to embarrass myself? You know, there, there's always going to be that. But again, those can be your upbringing. They can help us lead us closer to Christ. And, you know, that's similar to what David did while enduring this. He I don't know if you guys noticed this, but in the psalm, you know, it's said multiple times, the repetitive usage of putting his trust and hope in God. You know, again, no one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. I trust in you. Do not let me put to shame. My hope is in you all day long. You know, he is trusting him like no one's business. But notice that he's not putting that trust or hope in himself or anything or anyone else relying solely on God, you know. And you'd also notice that he says, guide me in your truth and teach me, instruct me in your ways. Okay, what are his ways? As we just finished, verse 10, uh, Psalm 25, all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful to those who keep the demands of his covenant. (laughs) You ever have that day or you ever have that time when you try to do something yourself but realize it wasn't working out for you you ever have that moment where you just get so frustrated like oh my gosh like i've been trying i've been going at this for days and yet nothing's been going like nothing's been happening you know i experienced that a lot especially in college now and what i do typically is i would just seek advice either from friends family thank praise god praise the lord that my parents are here this morning and uh, you know, I would just 
whenever I get like that, I would just call them up, just like, hey, this is what's going on. I would just get it off my shoulders and, you know, seek that parental advice. And, you know, I, I know that they are from God because he's the same way with us. You know, if you have those friends or family that are like that to you, how much more is the creator of the universe who put those people there in the first place? So whenever we seek advice, seek him, seek the kingdom, seek his word, this, the word of God, is our weapon. This is our sword. That's what Christ calls this. And that's exactly what he does whenever he's tempted by the devil. That's exactly what he uses. Every response, whether it's being tempted by bread, tempted to jump off this cliff, or to bow down and worship Satan for all the kingdom of the... I just... You know, every time I think about that story, I just think of just how just kind of silly it is. I mean, let me humor you for a second. You know, Satan tempts Jesus with bread. You know, he's been fasting 40 days, 40 nights, nothing to eat or drink, you know, out in the wilderness, just scorching heat. You think he fasted all that time for bread? Not even Chick-fil-A or maybe Hugh Babies, right? But... Okay, how how about another one? You know, he tempts him with all the kingdoms in the world, so long as he bowed down and worships him. Do you think he just forgot that that was his stuff? Like, I gave that to these people that I deem worthy. You think I just forgot that I own this stuff? Or one more. This, This one is kind of like a little kicker. He tempts Jesus to jump off this cliff, this high cliff, and he says, oh, well, the angels will catch you. He uses scripture, but he misquoted it. And you know what Jesus says in response to that? Do not test me. In the first verse of John, he says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. You think I just forgot who I was? Don't test me. Do not try and use my own word against me. And then he, he counters it with that. that. That is what is written. It is written. That is how he responds to Satan. He starts that response with, it is written. Thou shalt not put the Lord your God to the test. And, you know, after all this had happened, after he gets past this is when his ministry really starts. And, you know, he is out proclaiming the good news. So he has overcome and become victorious over Satan, and he's going out proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of heaven. You know, and similar to maybe that situation that you're thinking of, it's only when you get past that which you're terrified of that, or something that you've been dealing with that you truly start to live. You know, going, just reflecting on my years of high school, um, I was a bit of a popular loner growing up. And for those of you that aren't familiar with that term, it's someone who has a very small circle of friends. But, you know, while everyone knows you, not everyone knows you like that. And, you know, it, it was just something like that in my life that caused me to be, like, really judgmental. Because I was like, okay, I have goals. I am determined, motivated. I have something in set. Uh, I, I have a purpose, and yet everyone else that maybe aren't as, they're not, they're not as caring about that, 
you know, I, I'd see them on social media all the time, just going out, having parties. It doesn't even have to be a weekend either. So it's just caused me to be judgmental of everyone that wasn't like me. And through that, it just, it just grew into envy and just being bitter within myself, like, ah, you know? But, you know, as, as I gave my life to Christ, after I graduated and um, praise God that he gave me this, just reading through the greatest commandments, um, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. I was set alive through that. I, do, I don't think about those times anymore. And quite frankly, I, I love being the person that I am now. You know, and I, I don't know what you're facing or what you desire to be set free from, what you set to be alive through, but as we go through this week, know that Jesus is with you in the wilderness. You know, in the Bible, it says 365 times, do not be afraid. God encourages us to live every day fearlessly, no matter what you're going through. You know, and there was this quote that I read that said, if you fear anything other than God, you are giving it too much power in your life. We should no longer be afraid of that temptation, that challenge, that scenario that we're thinking of. We shouldn't be afraid of it or what people might think of you because we are set free from it through Christ. If you desire to be set free this morning, I ask that you come forward as we stand and sing.
Good morning. I, I realize some of you may not know the reason I always script everything that I say is in my line of work for the last 20 years, everything I've said publicly had to be vetted by my co-authors or government agencies um, or, or at least my peers and uh, before it was spoken uh, in the world of uh, public health science and public policy. So um, we just are accustomed to not reading anything unless it's been written out carefully and vetted multiple times. Um, but this morning, um, as we're turning our minds to communion and reflection, I want to make a quick tour of some very familiar passages of Scripture that call out what God has been asking of his people um, since the earliest days of our relationship with him. At a time when some in the Christian faith seem quite focused on gaining political power and cultural dominance, it's good to be reminded that what God actually asks of his people does not require us to have money, education, power, or social influence. So here's the tour, starting in Micah. What does the Lord require? With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. He has told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Moving on to the New Testament in Matthew. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Spoiler alert, Grant's already spoiled this one. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Skipping a little further down in Matthew, judgment day. When the Son of God, Son of Man, comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick and in prison and go and visit you? And the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of these, the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did for me. Now skipping over to John. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And a little bit later, he goes on to say, very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. 
I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your Son and for his life, teachings, and death on earth, a perfect example of what pleases you. Forgive us when we lose sight of that and help this bread nourish the qualities of kindness, mercy, humility, and love in each of us. In Christ's name, amen. I pray once again. Heavenly Father, bless this cup and help it ease our spiritual thirst. May the symbol of Christ's sacrifice remind us of his call to show our love for you through our individual, diverse, and selfless acts of love towards our fellow human beings. In Christ's name, amen.
Grant, thank you for that reminder um, that we are uh, promised the same spirit that Jesus, um, that led Jesus into the wilderness. And uh, I was speaking with a friend the other week about what it means to be spirit-led, and we both kind of just came to the conclusion that we don't exactly know, but we'd like to. And um, it's good to be reminded that um, that is the same same spirit that led Jesus into the wilderness and God promised is with us and was with him then. So thank you. Um, if you guys would turn with me to 1 Peter three eighteen through 22. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolized baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. If you'd pray with me. <clears throat> Lord, thank you for our opportunity to gather here together as a body to glorify you and know more about you through each other. Lord, <clears throat> I pray that um, you would increase our understanding of what it means to listen to your spirit in the wilderness, to resist temptation, God, um, and to trust in you, and to be, be cleansed by the water. Um, Lord, I also pray that you would strengthen us in our ability to see your reminders of your faithfulness and goodness to us through your covenant, Lord, um, those rainbows in the sky that we get to glimpse so often. And God, um, I just pray for the youth group as they are traveling home. I pray for safe travels from Winterfest today. Um, God, we remember Stephen and Leanne and Debbie, and we remember Ray and Carolyn and Stina and Mark and Bonnie and Chuck and Stephen and Edward and Rachel and Ari. God, please be with them in the midst of their suffering. Lord, and help us to be a body that is well-equipped to lift them up, God. Um, and we remember all of our missionaries, Lord. Um, we remember Jason and Emily Miller, Lindsey Cranks, Hawatha, Jones, and Byron, and Senzar. Lord, we pray that you be with them as you are with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everyone. Thanks again, Grant. That was really edifying. Appreciate it. You brought me back to my own speech class in college, and I hated giving speeches. I did not like speaking in front of people, even a small class, but your topic was much better than my final topic. It was inspired by Seinfeld. It was called A Speech About Nothing. <laughs> Seriously. I don't even remember what I said, but I'm sure if I looked at the transcript, I'd be really like cringy. Oh my gosh, I said <laughs> I think it did all right, though. I graduated. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, thanks again. I, I couldn't see myself as a sophomore in college getting up and doing a sermon in front of a church. That would have terrified me. So you did great. 
Um, we have several birthdays this week. Uh, Kenneth Tabbitt on the 19th, which is uh, tomorrow. Matt Sullivan on the 20th. Brad Knapp on the 20th as well. And Joyce Rutledge on the 21st. I see some of them here. I know Joyce isn't here. And, and Amy has sent an email about um, how to say happy birthday in sign language. I'm not going to try to do that. But, you know, if you get a chance to see her um, in the coming week, be sure to wish her happy birthday and everybody else as well. Last Wednesday, we kicked off our series of contemplative worship services at the building. Um, it was a powerful candlelit experience of reading, silence, singing prayer in garden soil. I wasn't here for that one. Hopefully, it'll be the next one. Anna was here, so it uh, sounds like it's a, a really great uh, thing that we're doing. Um, running through March 27th, except for the 13th due to spring break. Spring, uh, spring quarter for classes um, is beginning in a couple weeks. If you'd be willing to, to volunteer, please uh, see uh, Lars Sullivan or respond to her email uh, so we can go ahead and get those filled up. Um, and last call to contribute to the Miller's care package, Cash or Venmo, uh, Sarah. And uh, thank you so much for everybody who's done this so far. And mark your calendars. We have a wedding shower to celebrate Hayden and Bodie on Sunday afternoon, March the 24th. More details to come. And the next prayer retreat is also coming up at St. Mary's in Suwannee on the 22nd to the 24th of March. Uh, see Ryan Sullenberger if you'd like to attend. And it's also been mentioned a couple times. We're about 25 or 26 people short today because a bunch of teenagers and a few brave adults have gone to Gatlinburg for Winterfest. And they're coming back today. So please pray for their, uh, pray for their safe travels. My, my younger son's with them. I've texted him a couple times. I'm just getting one-word responses. So, like, have you gotten there? Yes. Um, are you having fun? Yes. Are you getting any sleep? Yes. So that's all I know, but I'm sure I hear more. <laughs> Some of you might be getting more, more details on that. Um, anything else that I'm missing? Yes, Ryan. No preaching class. Yes. Anything else? Coffee and donuts are downstairs, I assume. You've been listening to 900 Ackland Avenue, the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. If you'd like more information about our community, our church website is http colon slash slash org. Thanks again for joining us. God bless.